0: Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual Hello and welcome to the first Countryside programme of 2020 with Simon
1: Clark And Kiri Kermode I catch up with Ian Parsons, a well-known farmer from Laxey
0: And I catch up with former Manx BirdLife and Manx Bird Atlas man Chris Sharp To find out what he's been up to in the recent months Well, Blaine Vinor, Happy New Year, Kerry. And Happy
1: New Year to you too, Simon.
0: Um, a reasonable Christmas done?
1: It was, wasn't too bad. The weather held off nice. I suppose Christmas Day was a very good day, wasn't it?
0: I don't know. Uh, I was in the Czech Republic, so uh, well. it was disappointing. Not the holiday, but uh, there was no snow.
1: Oh, So little never. Timmy
0: every day was standing at the door with his little sled and toboggan. And nothing. <laughs> oh, that's so cruel. So uh, <laughs> but there you go. But um, I think the last couple of days, uh, there was a little bit. I had to come back before then. Uh, but I think he, he's he got some in the end, so he'll be a happy, happy bunny. bunny. But it's one of them things, isn't it? They're, they're so used to it over there. Um, life goes on. You are know, here... It's just a disaster if it snows, isn't it? Oh, a complete Everything disaster! Stops. <laughs> uh, them, they're ready for it. They get out with the shovel, clear the driveway, get in and out, and help each other. You know, there's no no drama with it. It's
1: no matter at all, no, is it? A... But did you have a goose or a turkey on the Christmas day? Uh,
0: carp. Never the fish, yeah, with wow. the cold potato salad.
1: Well, that will be certainly different from <laughs> a, a, <laughs> a tea it. and derby.
0: Well, I'm used to it now, but it's it's their tradition, so you know it's. Um, it's just something that uh, I'm used to now so it's uh, they celebrate the the Christmas course on the on the 24th evening they open the presents and things like that so uh, it's uh, it's It's nice because you get two Christmas days (laughs) (laughs) but yeah but it's always a a time where um, a lot of the farmers do celebrate Christmas a lot don't they a lot of the families do have that traditional uh, bird and sit down for the Christmas dinner but in between all that there's feeding up (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh,
0: and stuff and checking it is the animals nice
1: though, it's a special time of year and I suppose Christmas is such a big event in the calendar, not only for, for family time but you know people are getting time off work now and the Christmas dinner is so important, the people rushing around hoping that the shops stay open and I, I think maybe it's gone a little bit over the top, you know if you sort of forget the real reasons for Christmas but it is nice that people are supporting local around Christmas and this year was was the same again on the Isle of Man, people were down at Bryrads Rad's there on the quay and and out at Nokalo there at the Central Mart's annual Christmas poultry sale, you know, buying their Christmas dinners off local farmers, which is always good, isn't it?
0: It is indeed. Well, we heard from Tim Johnson on the programme before Christmas, uh, the new president of the Manx National Farmers Union, Kerry, and uh, another prominent man in the the world of farming, particularly in the sheep world, uh, is Ian Parsons from uh, Laxey.
1: Yes, Ian is a very well-known figure in the farming community, um, very passionate about his farming. He's a hill farmer and beef and sheep farming there as well in Laxey, and uh, now taking on the, the role as vice president of the National Farmers Union and um, farming is changing in the way it's looking at things, a lot more environmental uh, strategies, you know, Brexit, climate change, carbon offsetting. And Ian is very passionate about all these things. And I caught up with him at Bolgene to have a, a chat about 2020. A busy year ahead of you, I bet.
2: Yeah, I'm sure it will be. There's um, going to be a lot of changes going on, I suppose, with the climate change coming forward at the end of January. But yeah, it, it's a role, I suppose been looking at for a few years and um, learned a lot from Brian and Tim so it's Tim stepped up a pres- as president so pulled in behind him and he'll be a good leader I'm sure
1: it'll be a nice balance as well Tim obviously from the dairy industry and you Ian from the beef and sheep side of things
2: yeah it covers most sort of bases of agriculture we've got the red meat industry covered um, Tim's from the dairy sector he's in cereals as well so it gives quite a broad outlook on. Manx farming, I suppose.
1: And I suppose that's the, the big thing is the voice for the Manx farmers.
2: Definitely, it's, it's just trying to keep a, a, a bouncing act and cover all sectors because it's, it's quite unique in the Isle of Man the way it, it, it's got to be a balanced industry. You know, all sectors are integ- integrated with each other and we, they work well together, so it, it's important that all sectors try and do well.
1: Well, that, that is it. And coming up through here, up to Baljean and Laxey, it looks like it's been quite a nice winter. Everywhere's green and lush.
2: It might be green. It's very <laughs> wet, though.
1: Um, it, well, it, how has farmers been this winter? It's,
2: it's been, well, I suppose we started with a good spring last year, so that set us off in good um, good stead. And it was a good early part of the summer, though. Certainly since September, it's been quite wet up here and specifically down on the north. So it's been a good growing year and sort of lambs have done well, but everywhere's gone very wet now.
1: And I'd find, like you mentioned the lambs there, Ian, Brexit it was coming there at the end of October. People were trying to get rid of their their prime store lambs.
2: Yes. Um, it's quite funny, like looking back a year ago, Brexit seems to be on the horizon forever. Um, I thought the lamb in- industry this year would really struggle, but it's turned out to be work well. People have sold early, the price has held up well, and surprisingly, it's the beef job that's taken the biggest impact from Brexit, I would suggest.
1: And how do you think it will go ahead? We've obviously had the vote in December now. What, what do you think the farming in outlook is gonna be this year?
2: I think for the rest of this year the lamb trade will hold up, um, I just hope the beef job doesn't drop anymore, traditionally it does tend to drop anyway at the end of January a little bit, post Christmas, um, it's at a level now where it could do without dropping any further, so just hope that coming towards the 31st of January with Brexit that we don't get another influx of beef coming to the UK market from Southern Ireland and depress it even more.
1: And do you think the Manx farmer, he will be strong enough to fight this corner?
2: We're pretty strong lot, aren't we? We, ho- we seem to hang in there. Um, I suppose on a, a plus note for the Manx Farmer at the moment is that even though we're in a, a depressed beef market, it's a depressed UK market. In the past, it's been just the Isle of Man alone at times and we've had a poor beef price, but it's a little bit more reassuring when it's whole of the UK that it should lift, hopefully.
1: Yeah, well, that's it, we do, we do live in hope. But as you say, things are changing. Now we're into January. We, well, as a farming industry, it seems to take a lot of attack from various other areas. Carbon emissions, you know, be a vegan, eat more healthy. You know, how does this affect the bigger industry?
2: It's bound to have an impact, though. I do think farming on the Isle of Man, specifically where sort of the climate is concerned, it's we're in a very good place. I would suggest we we we're sort of fairly low carbon emissions and we're sort of on a grazed grass situation in the Isle of Man which sequests a lot of carbon so you know I I would suggest it it, going forward the Isle of Man farming industry can be the solution maybe in the carbon crisis rather than a problem
1: yeah because obviously the island has achieved the UNESCO biosphere status that is a huge say it's on its own it's a huge achievement for what's been going on previously up until this point where it's all become the buzzword
2: yeah we, we, I think we're in a good starting place but we, we yeah you know, we need to do some work to know where we are um, but I think' we're, we're a long way ahead of lots of other jurisdictions in in how we are with regard to climate and carbon
1: and how do you see the the methane emissions yeah you know, the beef industry in particular seems to get you know a real hiding we're not doing the right things the gases etc can you know manx farmers do much more to help
2: the the methane one that you know people need to read into that a lot more though because you know the methane emissions is a very short-lived cycle as compared to carbon you know it's totally different proportion in the way it's broke down in the atmosphere and you know there's there's been animals roaming the planet for years Well forever And there's probably Significantly less animals Roaming the planet There's less buffalo There used to be horses Working on every farm <laughs> So it, it, that's not a new thing I'd Like the, the, that type of The methane emissions From animals Has been there For
1: Mankind, really, yeah. but that's so important for farmers to promote what they do and educate and help. You know, I think farmers are very poor at telling their story to try and educate people what actually goes on in in the hills around Laxey and you know on the shores of the Isle of Man.
2: Yeah, it's it's a very traditional practice still over here. We're, we're, we're doing; it's not changed an awful lot in the cycle of the last sort of hundred years. And um, there's probably s- sort of similar livestock units on the Isle of Man. It's a very much a a grazed grass, grazed forage, way of farming in the Isle of Man. And as you pointed on before, that's how we sort of gained the UNESCO biosphere standard.
1: And do you think the people like Gareth Wynne-Jones and like yourself at NFU, these people, significant people of our industry can do much more to support the local industries around the UK? Yeah.
2: local's got to be the sort of topic going forward, doesn't it? We need, need to promote what we do locally, um, you know, whether it be regions in the UK or the Isle of Man itself. The the more we can do locally, the more we can buy locally, and keep it the sort of the traditional way. That's got to be a far greater benefit for climate change for the environment than trying to import our food from the other area, the other side of the world. There's a far greater um, I'm lost there now a sec. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> And there's got to be a far greater sort of carbon offset in bringing our food from the other side of the world, cutting down trees in the rainforest. You know, we, we've got to produce local and try and consume local.
1: And that's probably one of the things that really gets me, as a farmer, as, as well as just a normal person in the countryside, is the fact that they'll take products from across the world. They don't see the damage that it's doing to their agricultural industries in these other countries because it's not on the doorstep. Is this something where the NFU can actually, you know, start showing the general public what is going on in the rest of the world?
2: Yeah, I'm sure we've got to try and get that message across. I, I don't see any point in cutting down a tree in the rainforest to produce beef over there for us to consume it in the UK and us plant a tree, a baby tree over here to try and offset the carbon. It'd be far better off. Let's just try and Keep in the regions where we're consuming the food
1: and how do you see the year go ahead for farming obviously it's a pretty miserable day here in bulging in, in january can't really see the hills in the background how do you see the rest of the year, year going ian
2: i think you know as we said before the the lamb job should hold fairly firm right through Um credit to harlem mm-hmm. man creameries the dairy job seems to be fairly stable in the isle of man Beef jobs a little bit concerning at the moment and you know there'll be be a certain worry amongst the cereal producers there'll be a lot of autumn crops haven't got planted and those that have been planted as long as they've survived this wet weather um, and I'm I'm sure there's a few potatoes still in the ground that might be staying there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And with your NFU hat on how do you see that going forward as an organisation?
2: Um, I think it's it's changing. We we probably need to. We'll be involved a fair lot in climate change going forward. The ADS strategy that's sort of been filling it over the last twelve or eighteen months. Hopefully, is sort of that's been passed off by Timbald. So that should be put to bed. It's just the detail and the document going forward now. Um, and I, I would like to see the. I can see us evolving into more trying to be a promotional body as well for what we do as an industry. What we produce over here and and work alongside the processes and trying to sort of help promote the products that we produce
1: and will you see the new strategy at the end of the month will it change the Isle of Man industry agricultural industry much
2: it's I really don't know what's going to be in the strategy um but as I sort of said before I, I see the agricultural industry being a solution to any problem rather than a cause of any problem um, and it's going to be, yeah. It's going to be changing times ahead. But the, the, I do think the Isle of Man is in a good place to start off with.
1: And with all the buzzwords that we've been hearing lately, Ian Brexit, climate change, the flooding, the carbon offset, we've got to think of the fellow farmers in Australia at the minute with the bushfires. Is this something that's come off the back of some of these maybe environmental ideas, that have maybe not worked? It,
2: it, it is worrying when you, sort of the buzzword has been rewilding. Um, and obviously with rewilding you know certain aspects are fire load and we, we saw that several years ago around the manchester area with fires on the moors there and for all there has been extreme weather as um has resulted in the effect in australia a certain amount has been down to rewilding as well and it's it's horrific when you look at the scenes over there and it just hope they come through it
1: and that's I suppose where you come in as the NFU a balanced view for these strategies that get brought out would obviously have, hopefully prevent something like this happening
2: yes obviously like we we, we don't know sort of an increase of fire load on the landscape in the Isle of Man so it, it's you know it's keeping fire low down, keeping the place farmed and, and it's a balancing act really and just trying to
1: put the two together. That was Ian Parsons, the Vice President of the National Farmers Union and local beef and sheep farmer.
0: Always very knowledgeable, Ian, isn't he? And and as you rightly said at the start, very passionate about it, and just wants everything to to work in the agricultural world. Still, he's, he's not a sort of give upper. Up if that's he's the correct grammar, not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, he's very very passionate and a young farmer with it too, and a young family around him. And it's important that they make the right decisions for agriculture to go ahead. And um, you know, there's many angles that people are, are trying to maybe hit out at farming and there's a blame game and all the rest of it but we've got to work together to make it work people need food and the population isn't getting any smaller so there's going to have to be a balance and uh, i'm sure ian and the national farmers union there will give a voice for all farming industries as we go forward into 2020
0: you're listening to countryside here on manx radio with kiri kermud and myself simon clark Well, Chris Sharp uh, was a familiar name uh, in the world of ornithology and still is as well. Um, He was the director of uh, the Manx Birdlife and worked with the Manx Bird Atlas uh, for many years there at Laxey. I caught up with him at his home to find out what he's been up to since he left his post at the Manx Birdlife.
3: I finished working for Manx Birdlife really in uh, 2013 and... Myself and Kay headed up to Sweden for a 12-week break, just volunteering really on a bird observatory in the Baltic, uh, catching birds and monitoring migration movements over an autumn, and fell in love with the place. Uh, went back in 2014 for a longer period of time, mid-July to the end of November. And then 2015, in Madagascar for a month, uh, filming wildlife for a friend. And then the last three years, we've been in Sweden again. Working at the same bird observatory, right? Was it was this mainland Sweden where where you were going? No, it's a tiny little island. It's south of uh, Stockholm. It's the southernmost island in the Sweden, in the Stockholm archipelago. A place called Landsort, and it's uh, only four and a half kilometres long by six hundred metres wide. <laughs> so a, a it, long narrow one. A then. long narrow one, uh, and it points virtually north south. Um, so we got to know the island quite well. There's not a lot to you know you, before you're walking on it a second time and it's got a little village there with 18 full-time residents so uh, a nice little community a pub in the summer and a nice little ferry service because it's a very popular tourist attraction for uh, stockholm residents right
0: it, did, did you go there because it it was a bird observatory
3: or a, an area of scientific interest for, for ornithologists or? it was a bird observatory yeah. uh, it was run entirely by volunteers um so it kind of varied a little bit in how it could run the place whether there was staff people there or not so we were the first full-time staff if you like although it was a volunteer uh, job Mm. so we were able to give daily coverage um so you can properly monitor the movements of birds then and get a better feel like they do on the calf a daily thing which is carrying on now with two as it happens two english guys are up there uh, running the observatory this year, um, in the same methods as we we put in place. Right. Well, you look
0: at the Isle of Man. You've got the east coast is very rocky and around the south and the Arbal and places. Then you've got the sandy bits of the air, and Point of Air and Peel. I mean,
3: what what? How does that coastline of this island compare to the Isle of Man? It's very different. It's a granite island. Um, and when the rocks are dry, there is uh, you've got as much traction as you can hope for, but as soon as any moisture on them, they are are, are slippy, are, uh, slippy rocks which mm. you've got no hope of clinging onto, there's no handhold. Um, when we got there in 2018, April, it was minus four with a wind chill of minus 10 to 12, Ooh. and it was rimmed with ice, it's a very the Baltic's not very salty, so uh, even though it is a water environment, it's not a lot of salt in it. So it freezes and all the wave washing onto the rocks, the cold rocks, it would just freeze and it formed this lovely rim of, of ice around the whole island, quite a few feet thick and quite high up the cliffs. Right,
0: so a real
3: interesting contrast to the Isle of Man there. Yeah, very. Uh, what, what about the types
0: of birds then that, that are there? Is there any similar um, that are native to the
3: island? Yeah, very much so. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of overlap and it's not inconceivable that some of the birds that we see up in Sweden will end up on the Isle of Man. I was going to ask you that. Uh, yeah, in fact, we caught a goldcrest, which is Europe's smallest songbird, um, a couple of years ago. Uh, we caught one in, uh, in the middle of the summer, which had been ringed the previous October on the east coast of England. So, this tiny little five-gram bird had moved out of Scandinavia for the winter, been caught in, in Britain, and we'd caught it the following summer as it moved back to its breeding grounds, which might have been on our island, might have been going further on. But, what seabirds? Quite a lot of seabirds move past the island. Uh, we get arctic tern breeding on the island common gull, which are common there, unlike here. Mm. Um, great blackback gulls. Ida breed there, but they're not doing so well. Uh, some concern. The, the duck, is it? Ida duck, yeah. yeah, which are doing well here. And we're a northern duck, but aren't doing so well in the Baltic just now. There's um, so some problem with the food chain, which they're trying to identify what that cause is. But here they're doing well. Sweden and uh, I don't know how many islands
0: are around Sweden and there but are, are they very conscious about uh, the preservation of bird life?
3: I would say generally yes I'd say generally they've got a good uh, e- uh, ethic about their their nature um, there's always exceptions um, of course but uh, generally I think the, the Scandinavians are very aware of, of their environment and proud of what it can offer to them in terms of natural history but also as a as a social recreation environment. But if you've been there a few times now I mean what keeps attracting your back? I, th- I think the variety mm-hmm. of birds you never know and it's the same on the calf and any observatory that's studying migration you never quite know what you're going to catch and very often it's common birds um, you know, we kept plenty of robin. We can ring 2,000 robins a year on the on the islands. And they're all going to head into s- Western Europe, including the British Isles. So you never know what you're going to catch. We catch some birds we've never seen before here. Um, some that don't get this far south. So it's just, yeah, you're living next to the sea. And the sea's never the same two days running anyway. Uh, the little community of 18 people... With summer residents coming for you know maybe a hundred or so people in the summer living, we got to know them all, uh, and you just treated like part of their community. It's very you say
0: it's a very friendly close. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, Yeah.
3: they're nice people. Uh,
0: What about the the trip to Madagascar?
3: What were you doing out there, scratching? Well, that was uh, scratching. (laughs) We were scratching (laughs) Uh, and itching. (laughs) We were helping a friend out. A friend we know who who is a wildlife cameraman and filmmaker lives there now. He wasn't living there at the time. Um, He needed a second uh, cameraman for a job he he had for a conservation body and needed a stills camera person. So Kay and I went out. Uh, We filmed there for a month in some pretty remote parts of the country. Uh, Pretty tough environment to film in. Uh, But yeah fantastic experience
0: did you do much filming out in uh, in the Swedish islands? not
3: not so much Mm -hmm. as I'd have liked Mm -hmm. because it was a seven day a week job from an hour before sunrise every day until whenever so there wasn't a lot of energy for filming but I did manage to film uh, a cargo boat being shipwrecked Mm -hmm. uh, and and I made a few quid similar to the S- Swedish television company, so that was quite an earner. Oh, <laughs> worth it then, wasn't it? And
0: no-one was injured, so no, that's even better. No, that's even yeah. better then. Yeah. But, of course, Neil Morris over here in your shoes
3: now. Do you still uh, keep a close eye on what's happening uh,
0: ornithologically
3: on the island? Uh, well, it's not so much a close eye, but Neil... Uh, yeah neil's a good guy he's, he's a real thinker about what the future for manx bird life and and manx con- bird conservation is so i'm happy to help him when he when he needs it and uh i was in seeing him only yesterday for a brew actually and a, a catch-up natter so he's uh the the is in safe hands and it's going going great guns i think um so i'm not keeping an eye on it as such but i'm helping out and i'm quite pleased with what we created all those years ago good and what's next on the agenda for you back out to sweden well that's tempting mm, yeah um the familiar is always tempting but um the know the two lads who were running it this year have said they're going to run it next year so we we won't be there but yeah something will come up some, some new islands that are unexplored oh yeah. yeah there's always something isn't it yeah
0: Chris Sharp there telling me uh, what he's been up to, um, still keeping an eye on the, the, the world of bird life um, from different parts of the world there and then remote areas of uh, Northern Europe. So uh, he's, uh, he's enjoying himself and uh, keeping an eye on uh, the different birds. Plus you know locally as well so uh, it's great always to catch up with chris
1: he's a great knowledgeable person Mm. but isn't it lovely simon that he's done it all of his life and still now leaving the post he's still so very interested and and keeping that knowledge there for all of us and even the younger generations coming through to look back on and research through and i remember in in santon gorge as a young one growing up all the bird atlas would go down there and be counting the various ones and, and at langness too so they've always been part of my life and it's always good to to look back on numbers and see how we can improve and keep these things going.
0: Yeah, nothing wrong with a bit of bird watching. is there? Anyway, we'll leave it there for this week. If you've got anything that you'd like to feature on Countryside, um, if you can leave a message for Kiri Kermode or myself, Simon Clark, here at Manx Radio, or you can send an email to countryside at manxradio.com. Uh, Also if you've missed Parts of the programme Or you want to hear it in full uh, You can download the podcast Or listen online uh, To the Listen Again feature On Mank Traders' website Powered by Millichaps of Ramsey But that'll do for this week We're back next week With more from the countryside So from me Simon Clark,
3: And me Kiri Kermode We'll see you then Bye 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 bye